Hey everybody, what is going on? Patrick Connor here and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. If you are a return viewer or listener, thank you so much for returning. We very much appreciate that. If you noticed, I'm of course alone here today, so it's a slightly different podcast. But if you are a new viewer or listener, thank you so much and please subscribe. Like I said, different episode of the podcast today. Today we're doing a list. We're talking about the top 15 heavyweights going in order by how many knockouts they scored over the course of their career. So this list is only lineal or unified heavyweight champions, so the title holders are not included. The list may not be a true indicator of how big a puncher each fighter is, especially relative to one another, because it's not really taken into account the strength of opposition. So don't get upset at the order of the list. It's strictly numerical here. There are going to be a number of ties. So be ready for some kind of weird looking numbers for a top 15 list. Let's get right to it, though. Tied for number 14, the first fighter, Vitaly Klitschko at 41 knockouts, born in Belovodskoy, Kyrgyzstan. Current mayor of Kiev, Ukraine, as many people know, Vitaly was a very good amateur on the international level, but also a kickboxer for a while. So his 1999 KO of Herbie Hyde might be the best one-punch knockout of his career, but um, far more recently in 2011, Dr. Iron Fist scored a first-round KO of Odlinir Solis, who was a multiple-time world amateur champion, Olympic gold medalist, and a Cuban national champion. So overall, I'd say Vitaly Klitschko, his ability to kind of gauge distance combined with uh, heavy hands and a very awkward style, the way that he moved was kind of strange, uh, herky-jerky, some might call it. That really allowed him to score a number of knockouts because it caught a lot of fighters by surprise. The other fighter tied at number 14 was Hasim Rahman with 41 knockouts. Hasim Rahman from Baltimore, Maryland, a city one heck of a history when it comes to boxing. So while The Rock was clearly a heavy puncher and he had heavy hands, he didn't really score a whole lot of knockouts in his big fights. I mean, that's just factual. Go ahead and look at his record if you don't believe me, but one exception before he became champion was a stoppage of South African heavyweight Corey Sanders uh, in a relatively sloppy but still highly entertaining, very fun heavyweight showdown in 2000. Hasim Rahman's biggest knockout win was against Lennox Lewis the following year in 2001 when Rahman landed a right hand that slammed Lewis, just absolutely slammed with the canvas, and in all fairness, that wound up kind of being a bit of an anomaly, as we would find out the following year. Next up, tied for number 12. Like I said, there's going to be some weird numbers here, but Rocky Marciano, 43 knockouts. Iconic record, Rocky Marciano is the only heavyweight champion to retire undefeated at 49-0. Thus, that's their one. That's their one. Every time I start talking about boxing, Every time. Now, Rocky Marciano, the Brockton blockbuster, short heavyweight, stubby arms, but he made the most out of what he had. Absolutely no question. He went through just about everybody available during his era. His most well-known knockout, one-punch destruction of Jersey Joe Walcott to win the heavyweight championship in 1952. It's so well-known that photos of the knockout, just the photos themselves are iconic. People see the photos. They might not even know who it is that's getting their face distorted like that, but the photo itself, extremely iconic. 
So another kind of iconic heavyweight tied at number 12, Jack Dempsey, 43 knockouts, just like Marciano. Jack Dempsey would have been lower on the list. <laughs> Jack Sharkey not been complaining about a low blow in their bout, but you know, what do you want Jack Dempsey to do? Write him a letter. It's what he said later on. And it's true. Dempsey is probably known more for his tenacious and kind of unforgiving style rather than raw punching power. But the Manasseh Mahler was, he was not the kind of fighter you could take your eyes off or turn your back to. His 1921 knockout of Georges Carpentier, very historic. The first, uh, the first, I'm sorry, million dollar gate, Boyle's 30 acres in New Jersey. Uh, a couple of other reasons that it was, it was historic too, but his 1923 knockout of Luis Angel Firpo hailed as a classic heavyweight brawl even now. Uh, 100 years later, I mean, that's incredible. 100 years, 1923, 2023, we're still talking about it. That being said, Jack Dempsey's stoppage of then champion Jess Willard in 1919, even if the ending was a corner stoppage and it didn't quite go exactly how in some of these other knockouts on this list uh, went, it's still an example of what Jack Dempsey was capable of it, you know, when I guess he was. Yeah, put under the right circumstance. Iconic, iconic stuff. Next up, tied for number 10, the first fighter tied for number 10, Larry Holmes at 44. Huge knockouts. Larry Holmes, the Easton assassin, was definitely more of a boxer puncher. Emphasis on the boxing, especially an excellent jab, as many people know. Some fighters managed to give Holmes a pretty tough time uh, during his prime and some of them came very close to beating him. There are a few that some people thought should have gotten the decision over him in his prime. Uh, but the thing was, even if you were you know, seeming like you were going to beat him, you didn't want to, you didn't want to wake him up. You didn't want to kind of get his attention, make him angry. So in 1979, Larry Holmes got absolutely flattened by Ernie Shavers with a right hand. And then not only did he get up, got up and only a couple rounds later stopped an absolutely exhausted Ernie Shavers, who himself was a truly massive puncher, but probably Holmes' wildest knockout uh, was a stoppage, but nonetheless came against Marvis Frazier, the son of former heavyweight champion Joe Frazier. Holmes just pummeled Frazier with right hands between calling for referee Mills Lane to come in and step in and stop the fight. Just mean, cruel stuff from Holmes. And again, kind of iconic, you know, just... Brutal, brutal stuff. Uh, the other fighter tied for number 10, a guy who took out Larry Holmes, actually, Mike Tyson at 44 knockouts himself. Most people know at least part of Mike Tyson's story by now, but for the, the sake of completeness, we'll say that Tyson was something of a boxing prodigy who was guided to the heavyweight championship from a very young age relative to a lot of other fighters. So Iron Mike was a national Golden Gloves champion, a two-time junior Olympic champion, and the youngest title holder ever as a professional, hitting Trevor Burvick precisely enough that he fell three times from one punch. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. Trevor Burbick, you know, def definitely a character. We've had a show about him here on the podcast himself, but nonetheless, Tyson's greatest knockout was his first round KO of Michael Spinks to cement his claim as the heavyweight champion in 1988. A clearly frightened Michael Spinks was knocked down once before getting back up and just being blasted to oblivion by Mike Tyson, right hand, just, you know, it's it's the kind of stuff that gives you the shakes when you think about it. Bad, bad stuff. But going from that kind of fighter to number nine, 
Gene Tunney at 48 knockouts. Kind of confusing to a lot of people, I think. Gene Tunney was not usually thought of as a big puncher, even then. Uh, and he wasn't even a big heavyweight. He was topping out at about 190 pounds. So Tunney was, you know, about light heavyweight sized. He was not a very big guy, especially when you take into account, you know, same day weigh-ins versus day before, blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, all that stuff aside about size and big puncher, he was a very well-schooled fighter, a very precise puncher. And I think that's largely how he got a lot of his knockouts. Tunney was also known as the Fighting Marine, served in World War I, which became part of his promotional backstory uh, before fighting his kind of rival, Jack Dempsey, the guy who he wanted to fight for so much of his career, basically starting out in his career. And he called, uh, Jack Dempsey called Tunney the big bookworm due to Gene's, his professed love for literature, which was against kind of what the 1920s stood for. For a lot of people that being said Tunney didn't score a whole lot of high profile knockouts over big opponents so there aren't a ton to choose from even if he did score nearly 50 of them but biggest knockout came in 1925 against Tommy Gibbons a skilled tough very tricky fighter who uh in more than 100 professional fights he was only stopped once and that was by Gene Tunney so that's that's extremely impressive in and of itself. Moving on to number eight, Max Bayer, 51 knockouts. For years, Max Bayer was considered one of heavyweight's uh, biggest punchers, if you could believe it. Um, that's something that hasn't really carried over over the years, and his reputation took a little bit of a hit during that movie, Cinderella Man. But in the years between the reigns of Jack Dempsey and uh, Joe Lewis, there absolutely could not be called into question that boxing took a bit of a hit. Heavyweight boxing was not very popular. And Bayer, also known as the Livermore LaRupper, look up the word. I mean, LaRupp means to hit. I don't know. Don't ask me. But he definitely was one of boxing's colorful characters during those years. And he helped keep boxing relevant during the sports downtime. Uh, Bayer was known for having a sense of humor not being afraid uh, to display his sense of humor and clowning mid-fight, antagonizing opponents, stuff like that. But he was also a sharp and feared puncher. Uh, so that was something that kind of set him aside during those years. His wildest knockout came in 1934 against veritable giant and heavyweight champion Primo Carnera. Bear knocked Carnera to the canvas so many times that people then and even now can't even agree on exactly how many times Carnera went down. 10, 12, a baker's dozen. I don't know. You go watch and you be the judge because who knows. But Carnera was looking up the lights of the Madison Square Garden Bowl that evening quite a bit. So moving on once more, a tie at number six. The first fighter to be tied at number six was Joe Lewis, 52 knockouts. Legendary fighter, legendary puncher, perhaps one of the greatest punchers of all time, maybe the greatest. Everybody already knows, but Joe Lewis was just an incredible human being overall. He reigned as heavyweight champion for 12 years, scored 25 defenses of the title. His celebrity actually you know, transcended boxing, and there aren't a ton of heavyweight champions where you could truly say that to that degree. Joe Lewis did. Like many others on this list, the Brown Bomber, Joe Lewis was an amateur standout. He won the Chicago Golden Gloves, and a National Amateur Athletic Union title. So when uh, Joe Lewis turned professional, it was a very, very big deal, especially because he turned professional during the 1934 Chicago World's Fair. In and of itself, its own kind of fun story. 
But apart from his his accomplishments in the ring, Joe Lewis was just uh, a nightmare, an absolute nightmare to deal with. He was easily one of the greatest combination punchers of all time, and he carried serious power in both hands. Lewis scored rough uh, knockouts of a, a lot of opponents, a lot of opponents. That being said, the guy who was also tied at number six with Joe Lewis was a guy who defeated him, Ezard Charles. Another fighter kind of out of place on this list, or at least seems out of place on this list, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Cobra might have actually been the greatest light heavyweight of all time, despite the fact that he was never actually champion in that division. Sounds crazy, I know, but look up his resume, light heavyweight. It's it's wild, wild stuff. So uh, Charles was a multiple-time AAU champion, multiple-time Golden Gloves champion, an excellent young fighter. Years later, in 1950, Charles was the first fighter to defeat Joe Lewis uh, since Max Schmeling did it back in 1936, 14 years earlier, even if Jersey Joe Walcott technically probably deserved that distinction. Definitely more of a boxer than a big puncher. Charles nevertheless scored knockouts over the likes of Archie Moore, Elmer Ray, Rex Lane, and Pat Valentino. Ezard Charles' standout knockout, though, might be his dispatching of himself heavy-handed Bob Satterfield in 1954, uh, you know, immediately before fighting Rocky Marciano twice, as or Charles, that is, as both fighters were exchanging punches. I mean, it's it's rough, rough stuff. Uh, as or Charles misses a right hand, but then connects with a left hand that absolutely flattens Satterfield and put him completely out. It's on YouTube. Go look it up. So moving on, the next fighter tied for number four, Vladimir Klitschko. At 53 huge knockouts, the little brother of Vitaly Klitschko, Vladimir's clear, uh, career followed a very similar path, though you know stylistically they're different fighters. Born in Zang Istove, Kazakhstan, the Ukrainian, he was the Olympic gold medalist in 1996. Dr. Steelhammer ran through, I mean, the majority of kind of usual suspects, <laughs> heavyweights in the 1990s, before unifying the heavyweight title in uh, 2000s and holding on to that claim for the better part of a decade. Impressively, Vladimir Glitchko, at least to me impressively, he wound up actually knocking Tony Thompson into a Pari Nirvana pose twice in separate fights. Go look it up. Go Google it. Pari Nirvana. Go look it up. Extremely impressive if you ask me, but his best career knockout, I think, uh, was probably his last career knockout where he appeared to be kind of be just getting tired of being in the ring and knocking down Kubrat Pulev so many times until finally in the fifth round, he just stepped up and blasted him awfully. And again, it was his last career knockout. It was the final time he put Pulev out and it kind of put a little bit of a uh, uh, emphasis and exclamation point on the power of Vladimir Klitschko, which was obviously according to this list considerable. So, the other guy, however, who ties Vladimir Klitschko at number four with 53 knockouts is Shannon Briggs. Three words. Let's go champ. I mean, you almost got to think that Shannon Briggs is like trolling or needling or something, you know, uh, Vladimir Klitschko with getting exactly the same amount of knockouts because he did have some control over it at the end of his career. You almost kind of feel like it's on purpose. I don't know. I, I almost do. But, uh, you know, as many of us know in the last few years or 
gosh, it's been more than a few years now, but the last few years of his career, I should say, uh, Briggs followed Vladimir Klitschko around, trolled him for quite a while. He tried goading the heavyweight champion into a fight and giving him a shot at the title. He walked up into, uh, up on him in a restaurant. He stole his food. He knocked him off a, a paddleboard with the wake of his boat. He basically just yelled at him and, you know, became a nuisance. So I could buy it that maybe he's just trolling with this number here. That that said, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to forget that Shannon Briggs, a.k.a. the Cannon, defeated George Foreman for the lineal heavyweight title in 1997. So that's why... That's why he's here on this list. Don't get mad. I I didn't do it. I didn't make him defeat him. He, he's the one who did it. But that's why he's on this list. So unfortunately, uh, Shannon Briggs did kind of knock out a lot of lower level characters during his career, though. There's not a whole lot to choose from here. However, in 2006, Shannon Briggs went to war with Sarhel Lajovic, scored a literal, a literal last second knockout in the 12th round of a fight in which he was kind of behind until the final sequence there. I mean, it was, it was a decent enough fight, but Briggs last round kind of dash to get that stoppage, that mad dash. It was, it's really compelling stuff. Just watching that scramble. Um, yeah. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Moving on to number three with 57 knockouts, Bob Fitzsimmons, Bob Fitzsimmons last career fight happened more than 110 years ago to put that into even greater perspective Fitzsimmons was heavyweight champion before the inventions of things like powered flight tea bags radar radio broadcasting <laughs> you know it goes back a while here and yet the goofy looking dude from Cornwall we're still talking about him now you know he had unbelievable power in his hands absolutely no question about it he was known by nicknames like Ruby Robert uh Lanky Bob Speckled Bob depending on who you asked but he was an absolute student of fighting a student of combat period uh you know he, he wanted to know the ins the outs the why of combat sports which was far far ahead of his time absolutely um, but his desire for fighting knowledge combined with un an unusual physical strength, which some would say stemmed from his time as a blacksmith and a blacksmith apprentice when he was younger, uh, you know, that gave him the ability to score a lot of unusual knockouts, especially for the time. Uh, without a doubt, though, Fitzsimmons' greatest knockout came in 1897 over gentleman Jim Corbett uh, to win the heavyweight championship. A body shot in round 14 of a fight to the finish became an instant legend, and writers, they kind of dubbed it the solar plexus punch, though Fitzsimmons later said that it was just kind of a run-of-the-mill left-hand body shot. But in any case, it was a punch famous enough to endure 125 years. Moving on to number two, George Foreman, 68 knockouts. Man, George Foreman doesn't really need much of an introduction. To some, he's the grill guy, but to most boxing people, he's the fighter who won the heavyweight championship twice, about 20 years apart. That feat in and of itself, man, mythological, crazy, legendary. But there were also two distinct versions of Big George, both equally scary, but for slightly different reasons. Both versions hit incredibly hard, however. Cannot discount that. Foreman was the 1968 Olympic gold medalist from Texas, marketed as kind of a true American success story, going from being a troubled kid 
to one of the best amateur fighters in the U.S. in just a few short years. So he was something, uh, like I said, of a success story, something of an American dream kind of story. In the 1970s, his knockouts of Joe Frazier, Jose Roman, made audiences like recoil. It, it was it was nuts. And then almost 20 years later, knocking out Jerry Cooney, Adilson Rodriguez, uh, you know, in the early 90s, same thing. The audiences were like, ah, you know, too much crazy stuff. Standing in front of George Foreman, you're playing with your own fate, man. You don't, you shouldn't have been doing it. When it comes to triumphant moments, though, it's really difficult to surpass Foreman's knockout of Michael Moore to regain the heavyweight championship in 1994, whether it was set up you know in the ring set up uh in terms of his tactics or whether it was spontaneous the right hand that stunned michael moore and then the follow-up right hand kind of coup de gras one of the best knockouts of the 1990s kind of polarizing if you ask people but easily one of the best knockouts in the 1990s and finally number one with 71 knockouts primo carnera Primo Carnera might be the most controversial entry on this list, especially since he's at the very top, because it's widely believed that during much of his career, he was beholden to the mafia. And then many of his fights, especially a number of his knockouts, were flat out fixed fights. So Carnera worked as a strong man in a circus before being discovered and kind of pushed toward boxing and there can be really little doubt that as a giant sized fighter he was physically imposing really powerful strong but he was slow he was not particularly skilled and that led him to being dubbed the ambling alp by a number of writers at the time his best knockout uh kind of a head scratcher in and of itself people might not like it even but his best knockout was uh, winning the heavyweight championship in 1933 by landing an uppercut on Jack Sharkey after getting mostly outboxed uh, for about five rounds. So some writers and fans at the time, they questioned the knockout. And since then, some historians believe the fight was fixed or that Sharkey could have gotten up afterwards. But in any case, it goes down as one of Primo Carnera's 71 knockouts. That's it. That's the top 15 heavyweights in terms of knockouts scored over the course of their career. Let us know if you like this kind of stuff, these kind of rapid fire shows, rather than doing the long shows. We're going to do those too. Don't worry. We're going to be coming back with some history, some contemporary stuff. Also going to be revisiting true crime very, very soon. But let us know in the comments if you like this kind of stuff. We'll do more of these kind of shows as well. I'll get Bryn and Eris in on this stuff on the lists, and we will do more. In the meanwhile, if you listened to or watched this episode of Knuckles and Gloves, thank you so much. Remember to subscribe if you listened. Subscribe on whichever podcast app you listen to, and uh, you know, give us a thumbs up, a rating, a nice little comment. Appreciate it. On YouTube, again, also subscribe. Leave us a comment. We'll try to comment back. As far as social media goes, I'm Patrick Connor, and I am on you know Twitter for now, Patrick M. Connor, but I'm also on Instagram, P. Connor Beard. If you want to follow me there, come say hi. We will say hi back. Thanks so much for watching the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. See you later. 